You're listening to the Manaverse Podcast with your host, Tom Traplin, and this is session number 83. Alright, welcome everybody to the Manaverse Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Traplin, and today we are going to talk about a moment in magic history. Real quick before we get started though, I just want to tell you about a cool new app called PodCoin that I'm really enjoying lately. Uh, You're listening to a podcast right now. Well, how would you like to get paid to listen to this podcast or any of your other favorite podcasts? Sounds pretty good, right? Well, here's how it works. You listen to podcasts and you earn PodCoin while you listen. Then you turn that pod coin in for gift cards at places like Amazon or Starbucks, or if you're a good person, you know, you, you could even donate that pod coin to charity. The more you listen, the more you earn. So here's what you do. Download the app right now on iPhone or Android, and I have a special code for you. Simply use our code MANIVERSE, with a capital M, and you'll get 300 pod coin just for signing up. And if you listen to enough of us on there, you can get a cappuccino at Starbucks or an Amazon gift card on us. So go ahead. And go listen to this podcast, virtually any podcast on Botcoin, and sign up with the code Maniverse. Okay, so for those of you who haven't heard the tale, Pat's Games was robbed a little over three years ago, and the bad guys made off with over $60,000 worth of high-value magic cards. The story of the burglary went far and wide, ending up on magazines and news stories all around North America. Well, three years later, Pat Johnson has emerged victorious in her court case and is now on the podcast to talk about what happened, how we got here, and what fellow store owners and magic players can do to protect themselves. If you want to own a little piece of magic history and support a good cause, Pat is selling the recovered cards at a nice discount, and the money is going to be donated to a charity for multiple sclerosis. Uh, Links for that are in the show notes, or you can just message Pat on Facebook to find out more. So let's dive into the interview. Hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of the Maniverse Podcast. This is the podcast where we talk about building profitable and successful game stores. And in this particular episode, we're going to talk about, uh, it's not just about building something, it's also about protecting what you've built. And I have with me a former and past guest of the podcast. I have with me Pat Johnson. Say hi, Pat. Hi. (laughs) Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the show. I'm so glad to do this, Tom. I feel like our last one was uh, a real good, a really good experience. Yeah, I agree. It was. A, it's definitely one of the more popular shows I've ever done. Uh, but uh, it's great having you back, and you know, maybe not the best circumstances. Maybe well, it is. Well, it depends on how you I view think it. Right? We we ended well. We ended well. Been a long battle of three years, three months, and nine days. But Tom, it's a happy ending. Okay, so for people who don't know. This when we originally talked, this I believe we had the interview prior to the uh, the event in question happening. So, uh, for people who don't know what the situation is, let's let's fill them in. What happened uh, a little over three years ago? Um, in the early morning hours of January fourteenth, twenty fourth. Sorry, January twenty fourth. Uh, two people uh, broke into the store and grabbed three of our high dollar. Um, display cases, and we're out in 23 minutes with $75,000 worth of cards. So in and out, in, or after the, it took them eight minutes to break the door down, and they were using a, 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 a water meter key uh, to, to pry open the door. 
So eight minutes to get in, 23 seconds to walk away with $75,000 worth of parts. Well, that's a, it's an amoral way to make a lot of money in a very short period of time. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. So what happened when, when the burglary reoccurred? What, what happened afterwards? Um, well, uh, the, they pulled, a, uh, the police department did a really good thing and they uh, pulled a residential detective and put him on business because he was a magic player. And he knew what an alpha recall was. And that alpha recall three years ago was worth $6,000. That was the most expensive card in, in the case. And um, so they did a very thorough job of checking the whole property and following millions of leads that uh, my customers gave them. And, uh, you know, it, it, it looked like it was very hopeful because we did have so many leads but nothing, nothing happened. We did not find them for, um, for over a year, I think. I have to go back and look at the dates, but uh, eventually um, I, I had given all the, the, immediately I'd given a list of all the cards to all the big sellers in, in the United States, Card Kingdom, um, Channel Fireball, Star City, uh, basically posted it on uh, Facebook, and um, so any, any store or any person could, could have called the police if they, if they saw some of these, like they also recall there's only 1,100 in the world. Uh, ours was in EX condition, which is like either, uh, Card Kingdom rated it at EX. EX is the same as slightly played. So a very, very nice card for the age of the card and back when there were no sleeves to put on cards, most of your older cards have a lot of aware. And yeah. so this was a beautiful card. This was a card that, uh, that helped uh, catch the burglars. And uh, basically they sent three batches of cards to Card Kingdom. The first card they sent was the Ancestral Recall, the $6,000 card. And they sent it in an envelope with no sleeve on it, no insurance, no protection. They just threw the $6,000 card in a white envelope and mailed it to Card Kingdom. Do you that's think, not Tom, suspicious at all. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you, Tom. Do you think <laughs> this would be suspicious, Tom? And uh, so, yeah, the, the lady that opened it up at Card Kingdom immediately thought, what the heck's going on? Who, yeah. who would send this like this? So it stayed in her mind. Card did King it, made a, Did it actually arrive okay? Yeah, it did. Yeah, it did. We so the condition didn't change or anything. Like that. They yeah. got pretty lucky. Like, luckily, it didn't get bent in the mail. It wasn't yeah. stamped. It didn't get folded uh, or something. It wasn't stamped, do not machine, fragile, or anything like that. It just went. And yes, it was, when they got it, they graded it EX. And, uh, and they kind of suspect it right away, because like I said, there aren't very many of them. Mm. And actually, this happened, actually, I was wrong. They, they, were, they were caught um, three months after the burglary, because it was in March. The burglary happened in January. So, so they tried, started unloading the cards. And uh, so they, they did the most identifiable card immediately. Mm. And, and Carcanum uh, decided to lowball them like really, really low. Uh, and I know what the offer is. I don't know if you think I should tell it. I mean, it's because they, they were trying to protect themselves. They offered them $1,200 well, $1, sure. $1, because they thought 
No, hey, what they, happens if this is stolen and I have to give this away? I don't want to. They, like, they thought from maybe, their end, right? They, they thought maybe we write the check, um, and then we got got in a writing that they cashed the check, whatever. But the the people didn't. Uh, the, the interveners, as as my lawyer said to call them, and that means bad guys. Yes. In non-lawyer speak. The villains uh, of the story. Anyway, so. Um, they asked for the card back so card kingdom packed it up appropriately and sent it back to him because it was just one card but it was a very suspicious card mm. and the second batch of cards they sent in like a month later and it was all dual lands i'm talking now 700 dollars underground seas and things mm -hmm. it was trying to think what the value of that check i think that was like a fourteen thousand dollar check or something that card kingdom wrote them they bought card kingdom bought it and uh, it, again, was a little suspicious, but this was a good thing because um, a check was written, a check was cashed. Okay. You know, a name, an address, you know, uh, was, was gotten. Then the third batch they sent in was all of my expeditions. And uh, actually, all that they had left, they had sold some, but it was 51 expeditions. And expeditions are lands, uh, special full art lands that were printed in um, when, what's printed? Battle for Zendikar. I was going to say Zendikar, the Battle for Zendikar. And like I said, they they're just gorgeous lands. And I had uh, I had been picking them up like crazy as soon as the set came out because I knew they double or triple in price in time. And I was buying them full price off sites, other online sites. I had high buy list price on them. You know, so I got most of them out of the people that wanted to sell them in Austin. Mm -hmm. So when they sent these, all these expeditions, right away, Card Kingdom knew this was my card. Yeah. They matched the numbers, how many canopy vistas, how many polluted delta, it all matched. The numbers all matched. And they, Card Kingdom had never, never uh, seen anything like this, where from an individual, this high dollar amount of cards that had just come out in September, they were burglarized in January 24th, and then they sent them to him in March, April. Yeah, so, so having the fact that you warned them and let them know what the situation was, the proximity of the events really like tipped them off that this was something that they should uh, alert you as to what happened, right? Absolutely, and, and like I said, the, the, it made no sense because me actively seeking them out as a store could only get my hands on that many. Right. Yeah. And th this wasn't just an individual, you know, Card Kingdom. You know, it wasn't like another store sending it to them, and they were selling it. The Card Kingdom offered them. Well, Card Kingdom would have offered them at the prices they were offering them would be was sixty percent of the value of the cards. So if this person bought them from people, he would have bought them for more than that. You know, yeah. I mean, from or traded them at other stores or whatever, you know, so it wouldn't make sense for somebody to pay a bunch more and then immediately, you know, four months later, five months later, turn around and sell them for a loss. So yeah. that was of course that wouldn't make sense. this This isn't going to happen. Yeah. No individual is going to have that number of cards. Most stores could did not have that. I just yeah. had um, some investment cash and I played the stock market of cards and I went for those cards. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, so basically, Card Kingdom calls Austin Police Department, 
says, you know, hey, we, we got Pat's cards. We know we have Pat's cards. I actually have um, all the conversations between Card Kingdom and the police and all of, I have all 13 tapes of the court uh, case. You know, the whole thing, reporters don't type it in anymore. It's all recorded. Mm -hmm. And I have copies of all those, those CDs of all, all of the testimony. Uh, so, and so I, I have the arrest, I have the arrest tape, um, I have, I have everything, you know, on, on CDs and audio and stuff. So, uh, but, so card King, uh, APD, now they know the name because, um, Card Kingdom said we, we sent the first check off to this address, this person. And so I get a call from the detective and he says, Pat, we're going in at five in the morning, this coming morning, with SWAT team and SWAT EMS. These people are very dangerous. They've been involved with drugs, prostitutes, other thefts. So they're, very going nefarious. they're going in with the whole shebang, right? Mm -hmm. At five in the morning. So they do, they find the cards. So that's, that's, that's the, that's the uh, then I have the arrest. Uh, tape, which is quite interesting, really. Well, good thing nobody got hurt, at least. Uh, no one did. I think they were quite surprised. They did not. They did not know. They thought they got away with it. They yeah, had I'm no sure clue putting up a fight. what was going to happen. Scared a lot of people in the neighborhood, though. I'm sure it did. I'm sure that was <laughs> terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so. so so after the arrest, so they found the cards in these uh, these perpetrators, their house. What happened after that? So what, uh, what was the, uh, the follow-up to the arrest? Well, he got, he got put in jail for one night and then he made bail. Um, so really he didn't do any time. Um, and then uh, we had a lot of problems because the district attorney, well, first off, the district attorney didn't even want to give us the search warrant um, uh -huh. to start with before, before we went in. Uh, because they said he said we could not identify the cards. The cards do not have serial numbers, and so it it was extremely stressful. But I went searching for all the uh, the high def scans that we have of the cards, the high dollar cards we have scanned, uh, photos. Um, we we put them up on uh, uh, sites to sell. So um, uh, so we were able to convince the district attorney to give us a search warrant. So because of because of all that evidence, in a sense, in a yeah. sense, that you were the owner of these particular cards with these particular markings, that's why you could convince them to exactly to go ahead. So there were you know so very old, very expensive cards. Um, a Tiger was uh, Alpha Tiger was very um, instrumental in in getting the warrant because it had a printer error on, which made it probably the only one in the world like that. And we had the high def scan. That one had been on eBay. And so we were able to go back to the years and, uh, and I'll, one of my witnesses is going to come on and talk about that particular card and, and what happened with that. Um, but anyway, we'll let that for him. Um, so, so we got the warrant, like I said, we got in, they grabbed all the cards. The guy was quite horrible during the arrest, which I do have on if you want to hear a lot of cuss words and bad things. Uh, again, he is the intervener. Mm -hmm. We will not mention him by name. Uh, and, and so, um, and so it goes on, you know, and he's, uh, he's let out and the, 
they, they keep trying to make a court date and he keeps getting continuances after continuances after continuances. And we offer him plea bargains and uh, he, he just would not take a plea. And eventually the DA decided he would not prosecute because he felt like a jury would not understand the magic cards, would not understand how these were unique um, and uh, drop the case. And uh, my lawyer is going lawyer, lawyer to come on in another interview with you, Tom, and, and explain what he thinks of this, uh, this situation. So, so, okay, so what we have to do now, because the case is going to be dropped, uh, my lawyer is extremely good, and we have to drop the charges and immediately be with the judge to file a civil suit. Yeah, because at this point, the cards are in evidence, right? The cards are in evidence. Sequestered. And as soon as the case is dropped, the, per the intervener mm -hmm. could come and get the cards. Yep. So we, we have to be physically there with the judge, drop the criminal case, which of course I did not want ha to happen, and file the civil case within the two minutes. And the guy did come, and that's a lot of cuss words too, and threats. I'm sure he was quite disappointed not to be not to be Gnabble, able to get his ill-gotten gains. Yeah. So so we go from there to trying to get the civil case through, and and that took how long, Jim? Jim's my business manager. He is here right now. That took about nine months or to just get it to court after that got dropped, and then the court case was a nightmare also which I don't know if we're going to go into that now or on another or let Brian, my lawyer, talk about that. But I'll talk about it a little bit. But uh, basically, uh, he kept going for continuances again for the civil case. So this thing just gets keeping pushing back and back and back. And uh, we get in, uh, we get in, the guy, uh, the, he knows that the case, we get a court date and it's on a Friday. And we, I bring in all my witnesses and we're ready to roll. And uh, he, he has a hundred dollar lawyer. He comes in with the raggediest suit and uh, just, just greasy hair. Um, just, yeah, what can I say? Mm -hmm. and so we feel kind of good right there. Let me tell you, Tom. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure that's, that's <laughs> instilling some confidence on your side of the. Uh, and, uh, but, but uh, he gets up, this lawyer, and he goes like, uh, the guy only hired me on Wednesday. And today's Friday, and I haven't had a chance to see the evidence. And so they asked for another continuance. And, and this was judge, at that point months. Like they knew the court date for a, a long time, right? They, they knew it for a month, uh, which they, he should have. And he, and he knew was going to civil court, so he might have like started looking into that. But he knew the date was set, set and then for a month, you know, we knew for a month when it was. Okay. okay. So a month, you would think he might have gotten his lawyer. But anyway, he got, apparently the lawyer said he only hired, I mean, lawyer did say he only hired me on Wednesday. And, and we need a continuance. And the judge, the judge said, and this is quite interesting, because this also gave us a lot of hope. The judge looked at me and he said, Mrs. Johnson has been waiting for her cards <laughs> for, for three years and has brought in all her witnesses. And I hate to give this continuance uh, because of this, uh, but 
he asked the court reporter person when the next court date would be available mm -hmm. if, if he gave the continuance. And it happened to be two weeks later, which mm -hmm. he deemed was close enough. So we get put off for another two weeks. Uh, we go in two weeks later and uh, we do, I figure it's a slam dunk. And uh, so I told my, one of my witnesses just put four hours worth of coins in the meter. In and out, right? Well, we were in court nine hours and didn't finish that day. And then this is into December now. We started in November and uh, the judge says, it was December 9th, I believe, and the judge says, it's too close to Christmas. So um, we'll wait till is it December, whatever, after Christmas to come back for the second day. <laughs> you know, on TV, hard things happen. George, Judge Judy like decides the same half hour, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and so, so here we are, okay, we gotta wait till after Christmas. We fit, we go in for our second day. Everything's really good. We're, my, my witnesses are great. Um, the intervener is lying like crazy. His woman's lying like crazy, his wife. Um, in what way? They, um, uh, they misstate, like, they say they counted the cards. See, they have a whole lot of cards because they, they are players and they have played in other store here in Austin. Mm -hmm. So they have tons and tons of, great big boxes of bulk commons and uncommons. They have some good cards. I mean, they, they had half a house worth of cards. Okay. Right? But, but the police found mine in their drawer, under their bed, in very hidden locations when mm. they went in to find them. But the police took all the cards, of course, because they didn't know which ones were ours, which ones were theirs, and stuff like that. So, um, gosh, I forgot where I was at. <laughs> so, so what were they uh, being deceptive about? Okay, so, so yeah, so his wife, oh, my lawyer invoked the rule, which means no one can be in the court except for the two lawyers and the, actually his third lawyer because the city has its own attorney that's in there, um, and, and uh, the intervener and myself. And so everybody else is out in the hall so they cannot hear the testimony and collaborate with testimony. Mm -hmm. And when the the intervener was on the on the stand he said they counted all their cards and they had a half million cards and what he was trying to prove was he owned a lot of cards those cards were his and uh yeah, yeah. he had and a they, big collection and it's very uh, plausible that he yeah. owned all of these expensive cards He's been a player for a long time. He said where he was playing, how long he was playing, played in Grand Prix, you know, all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And then his wife comes on to testify and she said they just counted all the cards or they had just counted all their cards, whatever, be, and, and they had 300,000 cards. So they're off 200,000 cards. Um, and uh, their lawyer doesn't really understand cards too much. Uh, neither did my lawyer, but he spent days learning about <laughs> magic cards and what sets and the prices of cards and and stuff like that but this guy knew nothing you know he, he didn't educate himself and like that's why we believe what we call he was a hundred dollar lawyer yeah it doesn't sound like he was being paid enough to, to bother to bother exactly <laughs> so um so so that that were lies and he also lied about 
saying that his wife took the card to another store here in Austin to sell and and that he had that that the other store owner called me and I said it couldn't be my card that was the ancestral recall mm -hmm. because mine was in mint condition and he's testifying that the card was in very played condition well the card is in evidence we put the card up we put everything up on the big screens all the cards yeah and obviously this card is very very nice mm -hmm. and we say it's very very nice but his lawyer keeps saying it's in heavily plagued condition and, <laughs> and like I said, we have the recording from card kingdom saying it's ex condition and so did you throw up a picture of an actual like heavily played ancestral recall to be like this is what this is actually means it's not so the same thing their whole defense was all cards are damaged in the same way. Hmm. And uh, I want my, if, if Tom, if you want an interview, I'd like you to interview my store manager, Logan White, who did some really good testifying on stage. And I'd like him to talk to about it. But if you want me to talk about it, I can also. No, it would, sure, I would be happy to have a chat with him too when he's got some yeah, time. Yeah, because there were uh, Michael Kirsch, who had owned the Alpha Tiger that was very important to the case, was a great witness. And he'd like to come and talk to you about his and uh, my lawyer would like to come and talk about how we put all this case together. Um, and like I said, uh, Logan, I think would be a great person to tell you because he did some really tricky testifying. All, I mean, amazingly good mm -hmm. uh, to, to print a picture for the judge of what yeah. happened. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, so where are we, Tom? I've <laughs> lost again. Yeah, yeah. So their, uh, their defense was that all cards are damaged in the same way. So there's no way, way to identify what's what. Uh, yeah, even with the damage of the big cards that we're putting up with the high def scams, they're they're just denying that any 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 alpha card could have that same damage. Any Tiger Alpha Tiger looks the same when it's obviously it's a printer error, a printer yeah. skip, a, yeah, a white spot yeah. that that will will not be. So we we pulled yeah, that up. That is other, not wear and tear. We pulled up other Tigers and other recalls that were damaged and kind of showed the judge. Mm -hmm. some things you know yep. about, about cards we had to educate the judge he knew nothing never heard of magic the gathering it's one of the reasons the da said he didn't want to try it criminally because no no jury member would know what we're talking about and he he just felt like we couldn't get a conviction um so that's kind of that tom where do you want to go so you're in the middle of the, the civil suit at this point and they're putting up what seems to be like a pretty crappy defense in that, that regard. And they brought in one guy, they had one character witness and he looked like a homeless guy. I mean, his clothes. The best kind of character witness. And his only testimony, he was scared to death on the stand because he, he was afraid that he was gonna get in trouble for perjury. And uh, so, but the only thing, he was so scared, the only thing he could say was, I've known the, the intervener for, four years, I believe it was four. And, uh, and I know he sells cards and I've been in his house and he has a lot of cards. And I went with him to Grand Prix Houston to help him sell cards, which was interesting because that was the week after the burglary. Interesting. Uh, interesting that they did, they did try to sell the recall there, but no one would touch it. No one would touch it. And- Why? Uh, Did they know that like, they, this they, might be a hot they, item? They didn't 
pay that much money and then have it be, okay, that was Pat's and we got to give it back to her and we lose the money. Yeah, so it was too close so to the event in question. Everybody knew Everybody was, was suspicious of the card. Yeah, of course. And then in one parts of the interview with the, the intervener and the police, oh, in fact, the arrest, uh, he was cussing me out because I made it hard for him to sell that stolen car. How'd you like that one, Tom? <laughs> yeah, that seems fair. I, I, I was the bad guy in this, according to him. Yeah, of course. And so, um, and so that, that's, uh, that's, that's, that's uh, that part. Um, and so, yeah. So was, what happened after that? So what happened after you presented your case, the uh, opposition, the interveners, they presented their defense? How did yeah. it go? Um, well, he was, they, they lied, but... I mean, and because they were they were lying about he said, uh, and I have all this on CDs, like I said, but he said that he bought the card in 2011. We're talking the ancestry recall mm -hmm. at Grand Prix St. Dallas. Somehow Dallas got to be a saint. Place, but anyway, okay. Okay. Um, and um, but he has no in you know he has no receipt. He has no picture of the card that he bought then. Like, this is a pretty exciting card. You might want to take a picture of it. Uh, no proof at all that that's a, a true No story. proof at all. Yeah. And the city attorney was real good at pointing out, like, did you have insurance on these cards? All these cards you have. Did you have insurance? Did you have pictures? Do you have anything? Why didn't you have some of this maybe in a safe or something? And, uh, you know, which I thought was great, great questions because yeah. he had nothing. Yeah, you no, don't just had, leave, you know, he had it all in his thousand dollars worth of cards sitting on the floor. Yeah, he's got hundred thousand dollars worth of cards with his own probably in in his trailer house. Yeah. And uh, they ask him also like, uh, do you have security system and stuff like that? So yeah. so he had no no protection for all these high dollar cards. He couldn't prove where he got any of them. Whereas we have Michael Kirsch. Uh, testifying who I bought the card from, you know, yep. I, I have a clear, I have a clear line of custody. Um, it, anyway, so, so that's, that's, that's what we're up against. But, you know, I, I was upset about the perjury that they did do because like I said, he's lying about when he had the card, when we proved it was in my store and or in Michael Kirsch's hands you know, and he had no way of having that card in 2011. Yeah. It was in Michael Kirsch's collection. Yeah. And then it was in my store. And yeah, then so all so you can show exactly the, the, the chain of ownership. You know exactly where it was at every, any given time for those, the, the time where he was uh, trying to convince the judge that that was his. You could prove that it was yours. Absolutely. Okay. And it was that card because of the, exactly where the, the small amount of wear was on it. Uh, there was no doubt. We, we had a screen, I mean, a huge six foot by eight foot screen where we were putting these cards up. Yeah, so the, the, the unique markings <laughs> but, were very clear. So, you know, my, 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 my attorney feels like um, we could have definitely got him in criminal court. And that's the saddest part. <laughs> it does sound like it. The, the because the city did not the district attorney did not go for it you know what what you know so so that's that's quite upsetting to me and everybody else at pat's games um that he did not get 
any jail time. Yeah, but um, at, least, at least it turned out mainly positive, right? Like most oh, yeah, yeah. that yeah, would we, we kind of go what you wanted. You didn't win the case. But I want to go into a little bit of how bad this person is. Sure. And his wife. Um, while Logan and Michael were out in the hall waiting to testify, uh, the intervener's wife was out there too. And the homeless guy that was their witness, character. So and, outside the, the courtroom in the hallway? Yeah, in the hallway. Okay. And uh, the, the wife calls her mother and says, Mom, you better bring mail mo bail money because when Pat comes out of that room, I'm going to pummel her face in. Nice and lady. then she says, if she wins, I am going to drive her over with my car. Yeah. And then she looks at Logan and says, I know where you live. And she lists the city where he lives. Mm -hmm. And uh, so the, my guys, they're, they're trying to intimidate my witnesses so they won't testify. But a pile of potential criminal charges outside of this. Oh, time. yeah, yeah. And, and so the guys get this recorded. You know, they turn their, their recorders on and their phone. So we have this. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then at the end uh, of the first day, they tell, they tell my, my lawyer, and we were able to catch the judge before he left the courtroom and play it for the judge. Okay. okay. Uh, so we get two security guards to walk us to the car. When the security guards and us come down, we see, we see that they're waiting out front the main entrance. Mm -hmm. And uh, so the security guards take us out a back entrance and walk us to the car. And uh, when my lawyer goes out, they holler at him that they're going to make it so he'll never practice again. Yeah. Okay. He wasn't afraid that they were going to take away his successful law career. Yeah, but, so uh, random criminals are going to make it difficult for this lawyer to continue his practice. But what we did since they threatened my lawyer, Brian, and they threatened Logan, and they threatened... Uh, Michael and they threatened me that when I got back to uh, to the store and then then I went uh, I went home for a few minutes and then my husband wasn't home and I I got scared and I talked to my lawyer and he said Pat you need to you need to call the police and make a statement and maybe get a restraining order and you know you need well, to do yeah, something. Yeah, you should take the threat seriously for sure. Yeah. And, Obviously, uh, they're willing to break the law, right? Yes, yes. So, uh, so I, I don't live in the city of Austin, so the police wouldn't come to my house, which is fine. But, so, but the, 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 the thing, the trial was in, in Austin, you know, it was mm -hmm. in the Austin courthouse. So uh, the police say, if you can get into Austin, then we'll come and take your statement and all that stuff. So I go into my daughter's and, uh, and then Michael comes over and we both make statements about them threatening our, our lives, basically. And my lawyer does not live in the city of Austin either. So he made his statement and met the police in the HEB parking lot to make his statement because we had to get into the city of Austin. Okay. So, so this is the people that we are dealing with. Yes, very upstanding citizens. Yeah, clearly interested in the in the good. Yep. <laughs> so you win the case. 
these people are not happy about the outcome, obviously. What happens next? Um, I'm not sure what you mean, Tom. <laughs> what, what, uh, we get our cards back? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we, we go, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> you, no, uh, okay, so, so yeah, happy days, um, a post on Facebook and that, that we won and we go down to uh, the evidence room and pick up our cards. All right. And so then, what's the situation with uh, the, the interveners now? They were essentially just kind of moving free. on and yep. you got your stuff. They lost the case. Life goes on. Hopefully this never happens again. Uh, absolutely. Uh, we did a lot of safety uh, upgrades uh, right after the burglary happened. Um, and so, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that, you know, we're, well, we're a lot less safer than we were. You, know, you never know about people <laughs> and how they can do break-ins and whatever, but uh, we did, um, we did put uh, many, many more cameras all around in the parking lots and just everywhere. There's cameras everywhere. And um, although we did have really good camera and we did get really good footage of the break-in. Um, and that was crucial to the whole thing, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and then uh, I got big, big, like 15 inch bolts that go right through the frames of the doors. Okay. <laughs> so, so, you know. So the, the whole ripping the door off is gonna Ripping happen. out doors, okay. Um, let's see what I else I did. Jim, Jim, you can get in here anytime you want. Um, I'm, uh, yeah, sure. Come uh, on in, Jim. <laughs> hey, how you doing? That's Matt, how are you? Um, I'm trying to be good. Um, so we we upgraded the security system. Um, got a big safe, a gun safe, actually. Eight hundred pounds. Okay. Which was uh, storing all the the high dollar stuff not only the stuff that we've got in the cases but other high dollar stuff as well um did some process improvements in terms of making sure inventory numbers and lists and all that are correct so that um you know we we don't have some of the issues that we had uh you know initially um i think the guys you know, are supposed to be taking, you know, scans or pictures of the cards that are in the case, mm -hmm. you know, because, you know, I mean, you can't just lock them up forever. The cases are out there. People can see them. Yeah. We do you know, lock them so, up every night. Right. We lock them up every night. But, you know, it's uh, just taking the asset management, you know, to the next level. Um, you know, so you've got that. Uh, Pat mentioned upgrading the security system, not only the cameras, but, you know, some of the other infrastructure as well. Um, you know, and I think, um, yeah, th those were the big things. And, you know, it was clearly a wake-up call, and I think everybody, you know, since then has been much more alert to the potential of things. So that, um, you know, we're just more mindful. So, sure. I mean, sure. I think this is, this is a good time to like kind of transition the conversation into what other people can do to protect themselves as well. Right. And this is, 
I think a lot yeah. of people who are following the story, it's kind of like if you're a store owner and you have some of these high value cards in your inventory, what can you do to make sure that, uh, you know, you, you, they don't just walk out your door randomly, right? Like you do, And then also if they do that, they do happen to get stolen. What can you do to get them back? What can you do to protect yourself and, you know, make, make sure you don't lose too much in terms of value? Yeah. Well, um, kind of want to start with the building first. Sure. Uh, because many or most magic stores or collectible stores are in strip malls with glass windows. Yeah, your typical uh, retail environment. They need bars. And you can make attractive bars. Uh, my first store when I was in a strip mall, I did get bars. And I started with Beanie Babies and I owned a $5,000 Beanie Baby. And I had attractive bars that were not up and down vertical, but horizontal. Okay. And I put cheap beanies sitting on them and they looked really cute. I dressed the beanies and made a, a very attractive um, a storefront with that. But when I built my own building, I basically put two windows in this whole thing. It's all stone because I, I didn't want most of these are, are uh, break the windows, run in, dash and runs or whatever you want to call them. Yeah. So I have two windows, one that's small in the bathroom and then one that's up on a little turret pretty high up. There's a lot of rocks and stuff that no one really could climb up there mm -hmm. because that, that's the first thing. If you make it so, hey, it's not going to be easy to break in. Yeah, most crimes are crimes of convenience. It's just convenience. easy to do, right? So if you make it difficult to do, you're probably going to cut out, you know, I don't know, a large percentage. I don't want to say a definitive number, but that kind of reminds me of uh, the idea that uh, loss prevention is just like a big factor in that is acknowledging people as they come in through the door. Like in a retail environment, if you just say, hi, what can I do for you today? Instead of ignoring the person, that drastically reduces the odds of them pocketing stuff as they walk around the building. And that's not just... The, the games industry that's like retail in general but it's just one of those like little tw little tricks that you can do to make sure that uh, people don't walk away with your stuff we um we uh have and this is the thing too i see in a lot of stores where they have the desk toward the the checkout desk toward the back of the building i've seen this quite often mm. and we have ours right at the front door so that like you said you see people you greet people uh you know they have to walk past you when they leave Make eye contact, um, know that so they're being watched. Got good security cameras right on that entryway. Mm -hmm. um, so that's another thing. And like I said, I, I was very mindful of actually building a building 15 years ago that would not be easy to break into. And it did take them eight minutes, which is quite a long time, really, to, to break in. Yeah, that's... Okay. And uh, so... Um, those are two things, like I said, then, of course, of course, um, uh, putting your cards up in a safe every night, your high dollar cards. I wish I would have done it. I had a safe in my first store. I don't know why I didn't have a safe again. I, I don't, I don't know. I, it was, well, you probably never, never really used it, right? Like you, you didn't actually get broken into, so you can, yeah, yeah, I guess I don't I, need one. I just felt like I had a very safe building, mm. you know? So um, what do you think, uh, what would you say the threshold is for like what a high dollar card is? Like you're talking like $100 up or, you know, thousands of dollars in like uh, the beta alpha stuff? The stuff in our case, cases varies a lot because, I mean, we can have some, Basically everything that we have in the case, we take out and put in the safe every night. But some of the cards are just interesting cards. They may only be a $50 card. 
but okay. we want people to see them because you know maybe they're a nice altered card maybe they're just a very uh, nice judge promo just mm -hmm. kind of unique stuff all the way up into the black lotus you know the ten twenty thousand dollar sixty thousand dollar lotuses can be in that display case but but basically i don't think much is below fifty dollars in there uh we we have uh, so many cards that we we, you know, we we only put three cases worth into the into the safe at night. Gotcha. The, the biggest cards. I just wondering what. So it would depend on you know what what a store has and yes, and what their particular inventory is made up of at right. any given time. Yeah. So let's talk insurance. Oh yeah, another nightmare, Tom. <laughs> of course, nobody <laughs> nobody likes insurance. Of, nobody um, my insurance agent, my insurance was very good, and I, I'll mention them, State Farm, because a lot of people ask me where they get insurance for their cards. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of people that are just homeowner people and you know how to put an attachment on their homeowner's insurance, how that stuff, and they can, and they should. Um, yeah, yeah, this doesn't just apply to businesses. This also applies to collectors with, uh, with right. a high value collection. You should probably insure that as well because- a Absolutely. You're probably yeah. even more vulnerable than a business. Than a business, because you're not gonna have the security that, that yeah. a, a business should have. Um, so State Farm, I, I didn't want to turn it in, you know, I called them and told them it happened, but I was hoping that maybe we could get the cards back right away. So I've, you know, I, I've, I didn't really file a claim for a couple weeks, okay. you know, and then, and then I filed it and I got checked the next day. Um, and, and it was $75,000 worth of cards and I had a $5,000 deduct deductible. So, so I was out $5,000, but other than that, State Farm did a great job. And so what's the, what do, what, do you, what would you say is the process for somebody to get insurance on their cards? Like what's the important stuff to remember? Um, I just, you know, I, I just talk to uh, your agent, you know, your homeowner's agent, or even a lot of people are getting cards stolen out of their cars and their car insurance should, and most often covers that. So just check and make sure you know talk to the person you trust that you know whatever you know company you're insuring your home and your other things with and then uh but if you do get burglarized you pay for it for a long time in that my insurance premiums doubled yeah and it was a huge doubling is a lot of money uh, because we pay a lot of insurance to start with and so yeah, I got my money from my cards minus the $5,000 deductible, but I'm paying for it for years. Yeah, that's, that's kind of the, the downside to insurance. You never actually want to use it. Just kind of the way it works. Yeah. I, I would add um, having very good inventory records, you know, is important both from an insurance and just a general business practice standpoint. And again, having the pictures and the scans of, you know, quote unquote, high dollar cards, right? Because, you know, at, at one point, you know, a card is a card is a card. However, once you start getting into a lot of the high dollar stuff, uh, think of them less as fungible cards, and more like artwork. Yes. Because, you know, it's, you know, as this case pointed out, you know, there's the small variations in the uh, in the recall, which you know proved to be, you know, important. Yeah, it was right? a definitive card. It was a unique. Yes, card. and you know, it's 
it, it should be, you know, very easy to take scans or pictures, you know, um, clearly if you're in a business, you know, then you're going to need the high def scans, high def pictures, mm-hmm. you know, for that stuff. If you're individual, yeah, maybe it's your cell phone stuff, but basically, um, you just want to prepare. And then, you know, a lot of times people have, uh, you know, I've got my backpack and I've got a couple of decks in it. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're a serious player, you you know you're, you got your deck list. Well, you're going to have your deck list um, somewhere. And, you know, the, what, what can be real interesting uh, is if your deck is populated with, you know, and this is perhaps a little more at the individual level, um, populated with some interesting or uncommon versions of the card, Mm-hmm. then what that does is uh, let's say you were to get ripped off. Well, you've got your list and then you've got those things which are markers, so to speak. So, you know, you're going to go to the store and, and this happens, believe me, uh, more often than you would want. Mm-hmm. But you give them the list and then, you know, we – you know, know what to be looking for if somebody were to try and sell that deck or, you know, the high money pieces of that deck. Furthermore, um, you know, social media not only applies to the players, but applies to all the shop owners. And, you know, you, you put the, put it out, hey, so-and-so got their deck stolen, be on the lookout for this, this, and this, you know, as indicators, right? Yeah. Um, we also... You know, as a result of this and some other events, added functionality to our system where we could essentially do a reverse lookup of all the trade orders that came in. Okay. So give me, you know, a set of cards or a subset of cards. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go looking through all my orders in which there were trades for those cards. And I'll give you a list of potential uh, trades which, you know, had some or most of those, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, um, you know, just part of the the systems when we don't talk about it a whole lot. I'm talking about it now, obviously. But in in any event, um, you know, being, you know, hopefully a good member of the community, you know, we want to, um, you know, deal properly with people who have had this happen to them. And, you know, it's uh, not, not a good thing, but I know in the past, you know, we brought in trades, we paid the guy, and then next thing you know, somebody's claiming that deck because of this thing and the other thing. Yeah, we gave him the cards back. We took that loss, cost of doing business, I, I, I suppose. But ethically, yeah, I mean, we, we tried to, you know, be, be good. Um, you know, good citizens in the community, which... Even if, even if um, um, we never, we weren't the ones to buy the cards. Um, when a good customer of ours loses cards, we, we will sell them cards uh, at a very discounted price to rebuild their deck. And it's it's how we've grown over the years and been in business 25 years and just keep growing and growing we've been having 97 people for our friday night magics 
<laughs> I can't build big enough. I have to just keep adding on. And so, but that's, you treat, I tell people you don't want a one-time customer. You want a lifetime. You want a lifetime. Customer. Exactly. And, and that's how you get them. Um, but basically, yeah, protect, protect your staff, people. People just leave it in view in their cars and we, we hear about it. You know, I got my car broken into. Someone with a convertible had their, their top slashed open. Um, you know, everybody I've, I've now- Kept it in their truck and had their trunk busted open because yeah. somebody knew that it was there. There's enough uh, people now that don't play magic that know that these things are valuable. Yeah, where so is it? So it's not even just a magic player that's gonna break into your home, your car, yeah. Your business, yeah. And another thing for business owners I'd like to say, which I just thought of because we do it now, we used to pay cash for cards. Mm -hmm. We write all checks. Paper trail. Yep. Do you guys have a, a, like a cooling off period as well? So like when you buy somebody's cards, do you keep them like in a buffer for a week or something before you put them out, before you resell mm -hmm. them? No, we don't. We, we got to turn these cards and turn these cards and turn these cards. Yeah. And so uh you know when they're when they're traded to us we have this great software that jim over here wrote for me um and you know the people trade it in through the online system uh they bring the cards in we check off that everything they put through the order is there and the condition of the cards and then we file them right in and uh someone may be ordering that card at the same minute as it's going in yeah, gotcha. uh, we we couldn't do business otherwise. We'd have to like have all the cards separated. Like I bought this from this person and that person, and yeah. oh my god, there just wouldn't be no way to do that, unfortunately. But like I said, if, if if there are customer, we certainly don't do it for the whole world. But if you're if you're yeah. a Pat's Games customer, we will we will help you rebuild your deck. Yeah, that I mean, that that's an interesting concept. Uh, the one thing, however, is. Were we to do that, that would sm start to smell like a lot like pawn shops. Yeah. And those, because those are short-term loans, essentially, are heavily regulated in the state and don't, don't want to go anywhere near that mess. Yeah, of course right? not. So, no. I mean, and it makes sense for a business of uh, your scale at that point. Right. And but, uh, but you know your turn rate is much more important. You know you take the risk on something being stolen and you having to give it back. But I've just I was just curious because I've uh, I have talked to store owners who do practice that they they roll out new inventory on a Monday or something like that. Yeah. Well, like I said, we we've gone to total check writing. So, yep. so if we bought a whole collection from some person and uh, someone else comes in and says it's stolen. Uh, Jim software can identify who who traded that stuff into us and then we go okay we, we have the check we have their address we have their name we 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 call the police yeah you can, so, and, you and you know what's happened is everybody out there knows that that's what we do we don't get people coming in to sell us stolen stuff anymore that makes sense because they, they know that they'll they back back mm -hmm. yeah. it's yeah. another thing stores can do to protect themselves right sure. when, and one of the other features is from business process perspective, um, when people sell, we get ID, you know, and so mm -hmm. their driver's license or some form of ID is also entered into the system. And 
I, yeah, so I, I think I think I've seen a few people balk because we were asking for that. So you know, yeah, just, but it, we type in the driver's license number right in the order. You know, the order gets closed, but it's for archived for us. So, like I said, we have uh, you know the checks when they're deposited. We we you know we see who we know who we wrote them to. We put the driver's license on the check, but we also put it in Jim's online system. So I mean we. We of all stores, I think, have uh, you know very very good security. I know Card Kingdom does exactly the same thing. They were able to they were able to say exactly the dates that the, the intervener um, sold the cards to them and when they wrote the checks, the check number. And and by the way, a humongous shout out to Card Kingdom. They they went above and beyond to contact the police and and they and they mailed the cards back the one they didn't they didn't buy the last the expeditions they just you know shipped them right to card kingdom but you know they didn't have to be that careful and they talked a long time i have the 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 mm -hmm. tapes of the card kingdom talking to apd a um, lot of time of theirs uh, i talked to them uh, you know uh, they they went above and beyond to, to catch these people. Yep. I think that really speaks to the, the, the major takeaway, I think, is to take care of each other, right? You're all kind of in this together, and it makes sense that you want to protect each other because that way someone else has got your back too. Yep. We, uh, have, a, we have on Facebook a, a group that's called Austin Card Managers, or Card Managers of Central Texas, even uh, San Antonio people get in on it too. So when someone comes into our store and says something's been stolen, we post it on there. So that's an automatic, all of central Texas stores know. And that's a, that's a nice little trick that other areas, other regions could make, make use of is that uh, if store owners kind of banded together and kind of just made it well known that stolen property is not okay and we're going to find it. And if you try and sell it to us, it's going to come back to you. Then maybe theft won't be so common or it won't be Absolutely. so won't be so easy. Absolutely. All right. So, scan your cards, get a safe, put some bars on your windows if you have them, have windows, um, lots of cameras, cameras getting the license plates in the parking lots. Um, just a recap of the things, really good bolts. I got big um, uh, steel bars across the doors too that, you know, even if they pried in, there's extra bars. <laughs> so, so you basically uh, have the war door now. Yeah, I, I don't want this to happen again. It's just uh, it's a, a very horrible, horrible feeling. And Yeah, um, nobody likes having something stolen from them. E e even if you wild. have insurance, it doesn't, make the, it doesn't make it feel good knowing that your stuff isn't safe, you know? Yeah. Yeah, um, I mean, Pat's talked a lot about the physical security. You know, I've talked a little bit about the business process stuff. Um, the one thing I, I think uh, people should also is have a plan because if all this, let, let's say all that fails and you do get ripped off, right? Um, what do you do next? And a lot of time that is at, you know, two o'clock in the morning or four o'clock in the morning. You ought to you know, no, okay, where do I get my inventory information? Who does what, who, do, you know, just kind of a, 
you know, business continuity planning, you know, type of thing. And I think that's very important and just, you know, in general, you know, if, you know, what happens does everybody know what the plan is, where to, you know, is the plan out on Google Docs or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Around exactly. I, I think, um, you know, a lot of that sounds a little uh, belt and suspenders, you know, <laughs> it, but at four That's what business morning, is a lot of the time. Uh, no, absolutely. But um, at four o'clock in the morning, you're groggy, you're, you're shocked, you know, because you've just kind of woken up by the police if you go down to wherever you are, you know. So that, that would be more things I, I would consider uh, people think about. Let me tell you how you feel. <laughs> you come in and you see the door broken down and you see your your case is all gone and you see the they had a broke break-in tool they had they left it the the meat the, the meat uh, water meter key they left it there but we got no prints and stuff but also you're just sitting there because you're waiting till some place opens so you can call them to come fix your door so like you're guarding what you have left because your door is broken down and you're sitting there at four in the morning, five in the morning, six in the morning, seven in the morning, eight in the morning, nine o'clock, maybe you can get somebody to come fix your door. And so maybe have somebody on call you know, <laughs> that you call to that knows how to repair doors or whatever. I mean, I, I don't, I think that's a little exaggerating. Depending on the but, but, you know, you got to Google up somebody to fix your door right away. And, and that's what it is. I mean, it is horrible just sitting there guarding your stuff yeah so if we can help somebody avoid the situation we that would, that would be great nobody wants to go through this yeah and yeah absolutely and yeah the physical physical security um is important you know avoiding it's great but also knowing what you have to do if it were to happen uh, one other comment, and I think um, Pat's touched upon it, is what, what's interesting about all this is the notion of uh, community, right? Yeah. And this is, this is actually kind of an interesting uh, area because, you know, over time, the players, you know, frequent the store, you know, they, they get to know, you know, the, the staff, they get to know you and all that. And, and a sense of community, you know, if you're, believe me, if your store is very successful, will we'll form. Mm -hmm. And then when, you know, thefts and all that happen, uh, the community, you know, feels the hurts. You know, and it's not only if the store gets robbed, but if, you know, what, what's even worse, it seems, is if one player robs another. Right. Mm. Oh man, they're out for blood then That's because quite the right, you you trade it now. Getting to okay, assessing your business risk and all that. Yes, you want to build that sense of community, but do not think it makes you safe. And then the things that you do need to be mindful of. Uh, we're not trying to shut you out from the community, or we're not trying to be rude. We're just making sure we're protected and. In a lot of cases, the stuff we do also protects the players in the community. We were not stolen, but, you know, uh, you know, it was not players from inside our community who ripped us off, mm -hmm. which is good. 
it would have been even more devastating had it been, I would, yeah. I would argue. Somebody you've known for years, that would have been much worse. Right. So that is a, a human element, which if you're very standoffish with your player base and you treat them only as customers, you're not going to get necessarily the outpouring of support and all that in, in when these events happen. So yeah. that's important in my mind. Uh, I also want to talk about that um, in that uh, when when the burglary happened, the support that we did get from the community. I mean, everybody out there was going, you know, come in and buy stuff from Pat, come in and buy her, come in and help her out. And people bought booster boxes that could not afford booster boxes. And I, I said, you know, hey, hey, I'm okay. You know, I, 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 I'm okay. I, you, you don't need to do that. But the outpouring of help and uh, you know, just just support, um, love, if you will, was humongous. And right now we did get the cards back and <laughs> they want me to sign the cards. So well, I'm signing the cards. Magic history. Yeah, it's, it, is a, it is a piece of magic history. It was on CNN, it was on Time Magazine, it was on every news station pretty much everywhere. You know, my relatives up in Minnesota saw it. Um, and this, this affected Magic players all over, you know, because they, their cards are very personal to them. Of course. And, it's just, and, and it's, they, they, we had people tell us, if you get this card back, I want to buy it. In some of the cases, it was the person that sold it to us in the first place. They wanted to get it back and protect it, protect the card. So, so we're gonna have some party here, um, and we're gonna we're gonna have, like I said, if anybody wants me to sign their card, I'm I'm honored to do it. I'm you know it it's uh, I never looked out to be a celebrity or anything. So it's it's kind of it kind of feels it feels good, and yet it's kind of like wow, you know, a little surreal. Uh, surreal. Exactly. And so, so we're going to do that. I haven't set a date for, for the big patio party. And, uh, but we want to share, you know, with the community, we did do a 10% off sale on all of our cards. Um, and we're donating 10% to um, multiple sclerosis. Um, and like I said, I did work, people ask me, did you, did you, did you come out okay, Pat? And, um, I did, I was able to work a deal with the insurance company. So I did get what is called legally the superior rights of the cards. So the cards, when they were recovered, were the, were the, um, insurance company's cards, but they aren't in the card selling business. And so I was able to work a deal with them to to uh, to acquire the cards back, basically. Yeah, in the event that you win the case, all that yeah. stuff. Yeah, and, and so uh, and they were not interested in in uh, doing a civil case either. So if we would not have stepped in, uh, the intervener would have walked away with all the cards. And so um, so we we actually you know we got the cards back, um, and we're trying to do some good with. The money that we got. Okay. I think it's it's a, a great place, I think, to wrap it up today. 
Is there anyone you want to uh, to shout out? Is there if somebody wanted to come in and, and purchase those cards and get a little piece of magic history, uh, where do they go? Like, do they can they go online to ask you for this? Can they buy something online? Is it? Oh uh, yeah, I actually on our Facebook page. It's it's down a ways now, but I I did post a picture of the court ruling that listed all the cards that we got back. Okay. And so they are there, and they can just message me through Facebook. Uh, through the Pats Games Facebook or uh, contact me through the website and uh, we'll let you know. Logan's marking off the ones that are already sold. Logan's my store manager. And so we have about a fifth of the cards sold. And actually, awesome. we have the, the $13,000 Ancestral Recall sold. Wow. To someone locally, but I want him to be able to talk about it because he is so excited about getting that card. And he he he's, the only been one in the waiting, world now. he's been waiting for it for the whole the whole three years three months nine days. Uh, <laughs> he told us right away if you ever get that card, Pat, I'm buying it. And uh, and so he bought it. He bought Excellent. it. Excellent. Good home for it. All right. I'll be sure to put all those uh, instructions in the show notes. So if people want to you know, take a look at the list and maybe pick something up. They can uh, reach out to you and maybe okay. work a deal, work a deal. Yeah, I can uh, actually give you a list, Tom, of what's left. Sure. And, and uh, you know, we can actually maybe put some prices on it. And, and we will ship uh, anywhere in the U.S. also. Okie dokie. All right. Anyone else you want to you plug before we sign off? Well, like I said, uh, my store manager... Uh, Logan White, um, my my main witness, uh, Michael, um, my lawyer, Brian McConnell, excellent, excellent man, worked way more hours than uh, than he he thought he would. <laughs> I'm going to give him a bonus too because you know we did a set price for it and he thought it was a slam dunk four hour deal too. Yeah. And it ended up to be a, a big chunk of hours for him and yeah. a lot of hours learning the magic cards. So I have to actually sit down. I haven't done this yet and, and calculate up the, the amount of dollars of cards we got back and then bonuses for my employees. Um, you know, um, this is, this is money I did not expect to get back and I want yeah. to share it with the, the people. And again, of course, Card Kingdom, we would never have gotten the cards back without them. Um, you know, Jim for writing my great software, which was huge in that we were able to get a list out to the public immediately of what was stolen. Um, and all my customers that were here and let me cry on their shoulder. Um, <laughs> you, Tom, for uh, your interview for me for years ago, it, it, it really got the store noticed and I was wanting to let you be the first one to talk to me. Well, I, I really appreciate it. I, I want to thank you guys for telling your story and you know, it's, it's good to hear that things turned out all right. Yeah. It's a, it's nice to have a happy ending in this world. Yes. Oh wait. Maybe I shouldn't say that. <laughs> sometimes. sometimes. <laughs> Sorry. It's you want me to say that? It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's <laughs> <laughs> Any closing thoughts other than happy endings? Uh, <laughs> I have an adult, mostly customer base. They're 12, <laughs> 12 to 60 something. Um, some of the, some of the um, 
yeah, some of the uh, uh, CDs and that, um, the, in the intervener used a lot of uh, bad language. And so um, I'm not sure, Tom, you know, what you'll want to do with that, but I'll-, I'll, I'll I try to keep it mainly PG, but- uh, PG, yeah. But um, we're mostly adults here, so. Yeah, I said the, the magic face is, is, you know, 12 and up and, and anyway, but I just, um, when I was talking to Michael, my main witness guy, he was going, oh, Pat, because he'd heard the, he heard the rest tape and that, and he's going, oh, Pat, you can't put that out there like that. So I just thought, um, we'll see what Tom says. Well, <laughs> if people want to be exposed to some, uh, some rough language, then they can take a look at it for themselves. Yeah. So, like but said, then I'll leave that up to them. Yeah, it's, it's a, you know, like I said, you can, you can listen to them. I, if you did not get it, I have a thumb drive with all the stuff on. Uh, but you can listen to what you want. Particularly interesting is is the arrest where they're putting him in the car and he's 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 complaining about me because I made it hard for him to sell the card. Um, he's pretty much threatening the detective. Uh, again, they went in with the SWAT, SWAT EMS, SWAT team, because it, they these people are not ones that you want to be around. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, yeah, it's right, serious, right. Jim. Right, but uh, I. Mm -hmm. What you don't want me to say that? No, no, this no. Is just, we're go. off. We're off the record here. Oh, yeah. I thought we were. Reacting. No, we're off the record. Well, I can so always I, like, I, slice and dice this too. So. Yeah, you okay. can slice and dice. Fair enough. So Fair yeah, enough. we. Yeah, we don't want to lose business because people think it's dangerous to come to Pat. So yeah. we we have to. Not. We have to like, I don't know. A lot of this Tom has been like you know difficult to decide what, what we put out and what we don't put out. Um, yeah, we, we wanted it to be something positive for the community and give people hope that they can get their merchandise back. Yeah. And to and to try. And this is what was said on the WPN page, Wizards Play Network. All the stores were going, see, see Pat one. Yes. It can't don't, be done. Don't don't, don't not prosecute. Prosecute. Yeah. Prosecute. Yeah. So I mean that was, you know, if all the stores prosecute. Yeah, it's got to help. And if they see that, oh, yes, those cards can be identified. Yeah, people are less likely to do it because yep. they think that they can get away with it. Yep. Yeah. So it, it reminds me of when there was that uh, backpack snatching ring of thieves at uh, Grand Prix a few years ago. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. It was a very professional operation until they got, like, tackled as they were leaving out the door because people were kind of onto it. Yeah. But, yeah, it's no, just it's... one of those things that, oh, you think you can get away with it until, you know, you can't. Most cards are identifiable. You, you know, the we had the ones that were signed by the artist, and we could say the signature started exactly here on the card we have the picture of the high scan, and then when we put them up on the screen, and the and the the signature was just in the exact spot on the card. Yeah. And everybody signs things differently each time, so we could show like. Okay, the art, this is a signature from the artist. This is a signature from the artist. This is a signature. Look how they're all different. And this is quite unique in that how he signed it, how much of a flair he put on the A or whatever mm -hmm. it was. I mean, yeah. uh, cards are identifiable. Yeah. Yeah. I think the idea that Jim was saying about treating it like artwork at a certain point and like the uniqueness of each piece is, uh, is key to actually winning if you're going to go that route. It is winnable. All right, time for us to wrap up this episode of the Maniverse Podcast. I want to thank Pat and Jim for coming on the show and sharing their story with us. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. 
Don't forget to check out Pat's Games on Facebook and find out how you can own a piece of magic history, all while supporting a good cause. If you like this episode, we've got plenty more where that came from, so make sure you become a subscriber of the Maniverse Podcast so you get fresh interviews and content sent directly to your inbox. Head over to maniversesaga.com forward slash subscribe and become a subscriber today. Well, that's it for this episode of the Maniverse Podcast. I've been your host, Tom Traplin, and I will talk to you again next time.